Amen. I think we could let them sing all night, and uh, I think we'd enjoy it all night. Amen. That was good. Appreciate that, fellas. And uh, I hope our young men are looking at these young men that are up here tonight. Uh, they're still young, right? You guys are still young. Amen. Amen. And uh, hoping that God will use you that way. I promise you, there'll be stuff in heaven uh, for stuff like they were doing up here tonight. And I pray that you'll follow in some of their footsteps. Good to see you here tonight. Uh, glad to have the battles back. I looked back there and saw them this evening. Glad to have they made it, uh, have it back tonight. They made it back from Tennessee. And I misspoke uh, this morning. It's his sister-in-law, not his sister uh, with the cancer. But you continue to remember her uh, as she is dealing with that up there in Tennessee. And also, I, I owe you an apology this morning. Uh, sometimes when you have a message on your heart, it weighs heavy. Uh, and when it does, you try to go right into it when you can because a lot of times when you get up here and you start talking, uh, as these other pastors will tell you, you get into a monologue, you forget what you're going to say, and the spirit gets quenched. And I failed to acknowledge our veterans this morning. Uh, and so I apologize for that very much. I did not intend to do that. But uh, sometimes uh, folks like me with a one-track mind, when you get tunnel vision about what God's put on your heart, you kind of head down that track and you just go with that. So uh, be sure to let our veterans know. If you're a veteran here tonight, if you don't mind, would you please stand so we can honor you? I feel bad about that. All of our veterans, if you would, please stand. Thank you very much. I intended to do that this morning. We wanted to honor them here and have a special time of prayer for them. Uh, and uh, went right into the message today. So I do apologize for that. Did not mean to slight anyone. And if you know a veteran that was here this morning that, uh, uh, that uh, you know, be sure to pass that along and let them know that I do apologize about that. I want you to take your Bibles out tonight. Philippians chapter 3, if you don't mind. Going to go right into the message if we could. Philippians chapter number 3. I'm going to go to a familiar passage, but I want to share something a little different with you tonight, if that's all right. Uh, do be in prayer for Miss Lynn. Talk to her a minute ago, and she's under the weather a little bit. Ask us to pray so you remember her, as well as the other folks, some of we've mentioned this morning. Dad's preaching away. He's at a different church tonight. There's another one this morning. And pray that God will use him while he's out. Philippians chapter 3, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand. <clears throat> I want you to look down tonight to verse number 7. And it's a passage we know well. It's one we've preached out of many times. I'm sure you've heard good preaching from other folks out of these passages. I want to share something with you tonight. Very, very simple thought by way of outlines. Go, I'm going to share something simple with you prior to the invitation. But I pray that the Lord will help us to this passage to get to the invitation so we'll know exactly what he wants us to do. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 7. The Bible says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for your grace, and I thank you for your goodness. And Father, I thank you for the privilege to be back in church again. And Father, how I need to be here. And Father, how we need to hear from you. And Father, I pray you'd speak to us through your word. Lord, I have a few thoughts that I've written down that I believe you'd have us to preach, but Lord, I would, would love to hear from you more, and I pray that your spirit would speak to us far beyond the words that I'll speak tonight. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, that we'd not come and miss out on what you have for us, that we'd all come with an open heart. 
Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would uh, be on the edge of our seat listening for your spirit to let us know what your will is in our life. And I pray during the invitation time, we'd not pass on this one as we often do. But, Father, we would take you up on the opportunity to be changed, to be more like Jesus. I pray for grace tonight to be able to preach. And I pray that you give us strength in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I think about the Christian life, and uh, oftentimes as a pastor, you are burdened about how to see the Christian life and the Christian walk incorporated into the lives of our people. Uh, I think about our young people and what they face in the world today, and I pray about how to better pastor them and how to better pastor you, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, to be able to help us understand what the life that Christ has called us to looks like and how we might go about living that. I'm afraid sometimes we reduce the Christian life to a very shallow list of do's and don'ts. Uh, Sometimes we think that after we get saved, the rest of our Christian life boils down to the simple idea of, okay, I don't do these things and I do these things and hopefully when I get to heaven I'll have more pluses than minuses and that will result in me pleasing God. But I hate to tell you, that is a very shallow and a a very, very thin interpretation of what the Christian life should be all about. Uh, I think about how many times as a young person I would hear this preacher preach, where Aaron and I have discussed this before. We'd hear this person preach, and we've heard a lot of the same preachers together, and I'd hear this person preach, and he would preach against this, and I would jot that down. Don't do that. Uh, I'd hear preachers preach against Pepsi, you know. Uh, I remember um, Michael Jackson used to be the spokes guy for Pepsi. And I remember, well, don't drink Pepsi. Well, I jotted that one down. And uh, we don't go to these places and we don't eat at these restaurants. We don't do these things. And granted, there was a lot of that truth was very good. Uh, And a lot of Christianity deals with being separated from the world. But after a while, we have compiled a scroll of do's and don'ts. And after a while, if you're not careful, your mind explodes, doesn't it? Trying to live up to the list of the do's and the don'ts. And as I got older and began counseling teenagers, I could see the look on their face and the look in their eyes that many of them were trying to live up to this guy's list and that guy's list and this guy's opinion and that guy's preference and then something they read on Google. And you could tell their minds were about to explode. Smoke billowing out of their ears trying to figure out what does the Christian life looks like, look like. And I hate to tell you, you're not just going to find a list of do's and don'ts. It'd be nice because I work best off lists. I really do. Uh, I love having lists to work off of and getting things done. And uh, every once in a while, I will take a Saturday and just work down the list. The other day at the house, uh, I had a little bit of free time, which on Saturday mornings doesn't come often. And uh, I realized my wife wanted a holly bush cut down. In the backyard. And she's been wanting that holly bush cut down for a while, but I haven't wanted to cut down the holly bush uh, because it's a holly bush. You get, oh, you've never cut down one, have you? I can see by the look on your face. That's why it's not a big deal to you. A holly bush is a holly bush. There's pointy, pokey leaves all over that thing. And, and then I tried to crank my chainsaw, and I couldn't crank my chainsaw. And yes, I did what every red-blooded American man would do. I figured it out, and I drug an extension cord out there, and I cut down that holly bush with a skill saw, whacked it all the way to the ground. Went to bed that night, my arms looked like I had been attacked by a sack of kittens. I mean, my arms were scraped up and scratched up. And then after you get one thing done, you, you feel motivated, don't you? You're like, well, I'm going to cut something else down. And I said, do you like that bush over there? We whacked it on down and got a lot of things done. And then it feels good. 
to be able to go down a list and get some things done. And if only the Christian life was that way. That we just had a list of things. Right, I'm going to do this, 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 and we've got it all done. And I hate to tell you, you're, you're going you're to spend the rest of your Christian life finding more and more things that God's called us to do and the higher standard that our Father's called us to live. By the way, it is a higher standard. Don't think for a second that when you get saved, you now have license to sin. That the Bible says not to use our liberty as a cloak of unrighteousness, maliciousness. No, the higher standard of grace. We talk about it all the time. We think we're living a day of grace. And so, therefore, we have the opportunity to go and do things knowing we can't lose our salvation. I've said it many times, and you've heard it preached better many times, that the standard of grace is way higher than the standard of the law. You look at what God's called us to, there's so many things we could put on this list and spend the rest of our life figuring out what that standard looks like. The truth of the matter is we don't have to. Do you know why? Because there is a standard. And there is a standard for the Christian life that we can know exactly what the measure of a Christian is supposed to be. And it's not on a list, but it's actually in a person. I want you to look down in Philippians chapter number 3. The message is short tonight. Just a simple thought I want to share with you. I want you to look at verse number 7. I want you to find this word. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss, watch this, for Christ. There it is in verse 7. Look down to verse 8. Doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Verse 9, and be found in what? In him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know who? Him, speaking of Christ, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Could I present to you tonight that you're not going to find a list of do's and don'ts that outline the Christian life, but you'll find everything contained in the man Jesus Christ himself. That is the standard for which God has called us to live. And we'll see this if the Lord tarries. And I'm still here in the new year. You never know, I could die before then. I was talking to Brother Mike a while ago. I don't want to die anytime soon, but sometimes you feel like it, don't you? Yeah, all right. Everybody knows how it is to live in 2023. We're looking at our theme for this upcoming year, and it deals with Christ. Think about how many things are simplified. How much of the Christian life would be simplified to realize it's not his standard or their standard or her standard. It is simply the standard of Christ. And if we lead people to be closer to Christ, how that would change the world because it would change the church. We want the world to be changed, but I hate to tell you the world's not being changed because the church is not being changed. And I'm afraid we have overthought this thing of the Christian life. And I believe tonight, simply put, in order for us to live up to his standard, we've got to draw closer to Christ. And that's what I'm going to preach on for a few minutes tonight. Being closer to Christ. I want you to look down to verse number 7. The Bible says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. You see, the goal at the end of the day is for not for you to live up to Brother Jeremiah Andrew's standard or for this evangelist or this pastor's standard. The goal at the end of the day is to draw closer to Christ. That should be the goal and the desire of this service tonight. That through the preaching of God's word, through the singing of praise to him, that we draw closer to Christ. Why? Because Christ is the standard. All right? Uh, when we start elevating ourselves up to the standard or elevating others to the, the standard, we're missing the mark. The bullseye is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we draw closer to Christ, oh, can I tell you something? That's when you're learning to please the Father. 
So hear me out tonight. As we look at this thought of being closer to Christ, I look at Paul. Of all people, the Apostle Paul, who seems like he is the closest thing to Christ uh, outside of Jesus himself. And yet here he is. Watch what he says down in verse number 10. That I may know him. That I may know him. Do you know what Paul wanted and what we need tonight? There's been a lot of talk about revival. I believe we need revival. Do you know what revival is? Drawing closer to Christ. Do you know why we need revival? We've gotten away from Christ. Revival will happen. It's not some spooky uh, ingredients that we mix together in some cauldron to produce revival. Revival and the message of revival is simple. We get to a place where we draw close to Christ again. I believe tonight before we leave here, each and every one of us could draw closer to Christ. We could. I don't think there's any one of us here tonight that would raise their hand and say, I'm as close to Christ as I possibly can be. I don't believe that at all tonight. Our world reflects that God's people, we, we, all of us together, we are not as close to Christ as we need to be. And if the Apostle Paul found it necessary to pursue to know Christ better, oh, tonight we need it so much the more. So I want to look at something in these, these verses real quickly about how Paul was seeking to know Christ and to walk closer to Christ. In verse 7 he says those things, watch he's categorizing here, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Now I want you to think about Paul. Paul had quite the resume. Paul was quite the person. He had quite the education. He had a lot of authority. Paul was revered in a lot of circles. He could arrest people. That's what he was doing on his way on the road to Damascus. That's exactly what he was going to do. He had the power to do that. And we look at power, authority, prestige, popularity. We look at those things as gain, do we not? Man, if, if you're popular, I don't know what that feels like, but if you're popular, you're like, that's what you shoot for in society. I told somebody, I think it was our teenagers a while back or one of our teenagers, one day I'm going to pay about 30 of you uh, to chase me around the mall with cameras taking pictures just to see what it feels like and when people come up and they say, who is that? You say, you don't know who that is? And they just leave it blank so they'll wonder the rest of their life. When I go to a gas station to sign the ticket on the debit card, uh, the lady says, could I get you to sign right here? This is what I usually say. I say, absolutely, I'll sign it, but I don't want you to sell it on eBay. One day my wife was standing in line after I signed it. I walked off, the lady goes, who is that? The lady at that gas station in Vicksburg is still probably trying to wonder who that guy was. We look at popularity and prestige and acclaim and authority and power as gain in this life. But watch this. Paul says, in order to measure up to Christ, I had to exchange all that was about me for all that was about him. Watch the words in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Number one tonight, drawing closer to Christ, number one, it requires an exchange. It requires an exchange. Coming closer to Christ means that all of what means something to me has got to be exchanged for what means something to him. Oftentimes, what gets in the way of us drawing closer to Christ, I don't know why this is the direction today, but this has been the direction. they preaching to this piano all day long. I hope that piano gets saved before it's all said and done. What keeps us from drawing closer to Christ is things that mean a lot to me. What did he say? Those things that were gained to me. 
were gain to me. Those I counted loss for Christ. He says I have to exchange the me's for all of Christ. And that's how we draw closer to him. When we take something off of this side and we bring it over to this side. Because in the end it's all for Christ. It's all for Christ. Is this not what John was talking about in John 3.30? What did he say? He must increase. I must decrease. And I want to tell you something. My flesh hates decreasing. It hates it. It hates humility. It hates being humiliated. It hates being hurt. It hates every bit of that. But wait a minute. John says that's got to happen for me to be more like Christ. Now, we don't like that, and it doesn't feel good, but that's how we find Christ, and that's how we live Christ, and that's how we get closer to Christ. What did he say? All these things that are for me. Think about how many times you miss out on drawing closer to Christ. I'm guilty right here with you, all because of something that was for me. I know I could, but, but I like me. I don't know about you, but I like me. All right? Now, I don't, not a lot of people like me, but I like me. All right, I'm, I'm my number one Christmas list right there. I'm on top of the list. I like me. Can I tell you something tonight? If we're going to get to the place where we're closer to Christ, where Paul says, I want to know him. Paul says, I want to be closer to Christ. We've got to realize there's an exchange required. I have to decrease. When, when you read about in John 3, I love the picture of what's happening there. John had been going ahead of Christ. He was the harbinger, the forerunner of Christ. And he had been the guy leading the charge. And they come over to John and they say, John, uh, there's this guy and he's starting to take your place. John says, that's exactly the way, and I'm paraphrasing, that's exactly the way it ought to be. I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. Here's what John says, I'm going to fade, fade into the back so that he can come. I used to hear preachers pray all the time. You know, I'm a young, dumb teenager at the time. I know we don't have any of those in our church, but there I was a young, dumb teenager. And I would hear preachers preach all the time, or pray all the time, Lord, hide me behind the cross. I'm like, what? You ever wonder what that meant? Come on, shake your head, make me feel good about myself. All right. What? Oh, I get it. I get it now. You're not supposed to see me. This is not about me. I know some preachers have personalities and they have shticks, you know. Billy Sunday used to slide into the pulpit. and Everybody, can I tell you, in the end, if you don't look up behind this pulpit and some point during this message see Christ, that's how we fail. If at some point your coworkers don't see Christ, you fail. You may have told them about Jesus a lot and told them about church and told them about what you think about the Bible. But in the end, if they don't see Christ, we have failed. Do you know why they don't see Christ? Because we're not willing to exchange What's about us for us all about him? The other day I was talking to my good friend on the phone. He's a missionary. This man was multimillionaire. God called him to the mission field. And he could be a millionaire today if, if he really wanted, if he still wanted to. And God called him to the mission field. He's been serving on the mission field. And now he's in on deputation. And I was talking to him. And I said, where did you stay last night? He said, I, I slept in my car. And he laughed. You know, if you have to sleep in your car, a lot of times you're not going to laugh. He goes, if my wife's in town... He says, we'll get a hotel, but my wife's out of town right now. She's visiting her parents, and so I'm just sleeping in the car to save on a hotel. I thought to myself, wow, this is a guy who used to live in New York City, used to be very well off and very wealthy, and now he has exchanged all of that to sleep in his car. You know, we're tempted to feel sorry for people like that. We're tempted to say, bless your heart. It's so tough serving God. I think he's on to something. I think he's on to something. 
I think he's realizing that exchange rate of the temporal for the eternal is pretty good. That exchanging what we have and what makes us comfortable. Listen, sleeping in a car is not that comfortable. I have zero problem sleeping at a rest stop. My wife has a big problem sleeping at rest stops. She's afraid we're going to get mugged or something. I mean, when was the last time you heard somebody being killed at a rest stop? And uh, I'll, pull, I'll be sleepy. I'll pull in. I'll get a 30-minute nap. She's awake the whole time watching, you know, making sure nobody's going to kill us uh, at the rest stop. I couldn't help but think about that song, Look What I've Traded for a Mansion. Look what I've traded. Can I ask you something? Do you want to be more like Jesus? And if you want to be more like Jesus tonight, are you willing to make the exchange of what is about me for Christ? It begins with an exchange. You've got to be willing to do that. You think about Peter. Here's Peter. He's out there fishing, fished all night, hasn't caught anything yet. And Jesus comes along and says, Peter, if you'll cast it on the other side, you'll catch more fish that way. Jesus usually knows what he's talking about. But Jesus, you don't understand, you know, I'm a fisherman, I've done this all night, and I've done this my whole life. Finally, he had a little moment of sanity, and he says, at thy word. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to exchange what I think and what I like and what I want for what you say. And oh, Peter found out a lot when he was willing to make the exchange for Christ. Number one tonight, getting closer to Christ, it, it requires an exchange. Me for Christ. But then look at verse 8. Yea, doubtless... And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Notice there's a word in there we don't like and I hate it. It's a word in there that we try to steer clear of when we can. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but what? Loss. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. I don't mind exchanging some things, but notice number two tonight, it will include a sacrifice. Closer to Christ will include a sacrifice. Do you know I could preach the rest of my lifetime, like some of the televangelists, and I'm not saying it jokingly, but most of the time all they preach is about is what you gain by being a Christian. And By the way, you could preach the rest of your life talking about the good things that we gain being a child of God. And I'm thankful for those things, aren't you? I'm thankful we have a home in heaven. We have a heavenly Father. I'm thankful we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life to give us guidance and protection. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to raise my child by the will and the word of God. All of these things that come along with being a Christian. But can I tell you, perhaps we would do better begin, to begin to realize all that the Christian life is going to cost us. Not as popular topic, is it? Imagine if we're going to have a revival, put a big sign out there on the highway. And we're going to have a revival, and all the messages are going to be about what Christianity is going to cost you. That would probably be a few thin nights in this building, wouldn't it? Because we don't want to hear that. But watch what Paul says. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get to verse 10. I want to know him. I want to be closer to Christ. I want to be more like Christ. So how do we have to do that? It's going to include a sacrifice. Now let's go to a familiar passage real quick, if we could. Romans chapter 12. You could probably quote it from memory, but I want you to see it. And I want you to see something in Romans 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, beseech means beg or implore, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, there's that word that we don't like, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
Now listen to me, it's easy tonight to say that, hey, in my line of duty of service to God, man, I am willing to sacrifice for God. I'm going to give him Sunday morning. I'm going to give him Sunday night. I'm going to give him Wednesday night. But I want you to know that's, that's not the extent of it. The sacrifice is really right there in verse number one. I want you to notice. He said, I want you to present your bodies, a living sacrifice. Now here's where it comes in. The sacrifice is this part about being holy and acceptable unto God. We don't think about that, but truthfully tonight, in order for us to live a life pleasing unto God and more like Christ, we're going to have to sacrifice to be holy and sacrifice to be acceptable. There is no way that we can be holy and walk with God, separated from the world, sanctified and meet for the master's use. There's no way we can do that without sacrifice. We've got this idea of thinking, I read this this article, Uh, I'll read it for you right quick, forgive me for taking my phone out. All right, just uh, something else there that uh, is not good, okay? Let me read this for you. This was on Fox News today. I read it in our staff meeting. Alabama pastor and mayor kills himself after cross-dressing photos emerge. Here's what his quote was before he died. What I do in private life has nothing to do with what I do in my holy life. Did you hear that? What I do in my private life has nothing to do with what I do in my holy life. Now look, you folks are smarter than I am. It took me about 15 good minutes to think that one over. What do you mean? Do you mean you can separate the two? That we can separate our holy life from our private life? Oh no, that's where the sacrifice comes in. In order for us to live a holy life, I've got to sacrifice my personal and my private life. You see, that's how it works. We're sacrificing the me, what does verse 7 say? For Christ. Listen to the rest of what he had to say before he took his life. He says, does this have any effect on me being a mayor that I sometimes put on a dress or sometimes put on makeup? Does that have anything to do whatsoever with me being a mayor or me being a pastor? And to that I say, yes, it does. Absolutely. As a child of God. Now, we look at that and we think that is ludicrous. That is about as far left as you can go. But you'd be amazed tonight at how many of us separate our personal life from our holy life. And there is no separation. We are who we are. We're not schizophrenic tonight. Either we are hot or we are cold. We are in or we are out. He says, he that is not with me is against me. Notice there's no gray area with God. And at some point, in order to come closer to Christ, we've got to be willing to sacrifice, let go, turn loose in order to be acceptable unto God. I think about Isaac and Abraham tonight. I don't, I, don't really, I don't believe for a second that Isaac understood what they were doing up on Mount Moriah. You know, your, your parent takes you up on a mountain, is, is going to sacrifice you. That'd be hard to figure out even if they told you, right? They're going up this mountain and going through the steps of this sacrifice. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son for Christ, for God. Do you know, I don't think they had an idea of realizing they were painting a picture of Christ in their sacrifice. Isaac was Christ. Isaac was a type of Christ. He was showing the sacrifice that would be made. Can I tell you something tonight? In your and our sacrifice as Christians, we're painting a picture of Christ. What better way for us tonight to draw closer to being like Christ than to do it through some sacrifice? I'm going to tell you, we've had it for too good for too long. 
We've had it too good too long. Listen, not just our church, I'm talking about in America. We've had it too good for too long, and sacrifice scares us to death. One hour a week to go soul winning scares us to death. One hour a week to go help Miss Rushing knock doors on the bus route scares us to death. Why? We're not used to sacrificing, and that's why we're not closer to Christ. Being closer to Christ requires a sacrifice. Paul says, watch what he says in verse 8. He doubtless, I count all things but lost. I sacrifice it all for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Can you imagine getting to a place one day where all that glitters in this world that you thought was, as they said in the old days, the bee's knees? I still don't know what that means. Some of you folks can tell me after service. And look at it and say, I count it as dung. Compared to what I got for Christ and closer to Christ, I count all of that but dung. You'll never know it until you sacrifice it. You'll never know it. I mean, my missionary friend, I mean, I'm not kidding. He is almost giddy going up and down the road, sleeping in his car. Do you know why? Because all of what he had, he counts as dung for Christ. He's gotten closer to Christ, and the sacrifice was worth it. Number one, it's going to be an exchange, you for him. Number two, it requires a sacrifice. Number three, watch verse number eight, or verse number nine. The Bible says, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Folks, this is an important one here. He says, I want to be found in him not having mine. You see, the reason we are exchanging and sacrificing is so that we're not found of having any of us but all of him. You know when Jesus comes back, do you know what you want to be? Close to Christ. Close to Christ. When Jesus comes back, I'm telling you, when the trump of God sounds, I have a feeling the trump of God is going to be one of the most clarifying sounds we've ever heard. To where suddenly you're thinking as spiritual as you ever have. But at that moment, it is too late. It's too late to get closer to Christ. I believe at that moment, so many things that we, we call all of that in this world right now, we're going to look at that and say, boy, I wasted my time on those, those things that were as dung. I should have striven harder to be more like Christ and closer to Christ. But how do we do that? Sacrifice. Now, I want you to see something at the tail end of verse number 8. Paul says here, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Number three, tonight, becoming closer to Christ, it will call for suffering. Closer to Christ will call for suffering. Now, to be honest with you, when I got down in the outline, and I'm outlining what the Lord wants to preach, I got down to number three, and I'm like, can we skip that one? I don't like suffering. I don't like hurt. I don't like grief. I don't like pain. It's not desirable. Now we start getting into the deeper water where closer to Christ is going to be painful. Now, can I tell you tonight that whatever God allows to come into your life and mine, that whatever makes it past the permissive gates of our Father into our lives, can I tell you what the end goal is? Closer to Christ and glorifying the Father. So when things come into our life that we do not enjoy and things come into our life that bring us pain, can I tell you what our God can do through that? He draws us closer to Christ. He draws us closer to Christ. 
I believe suffering is probably one of the greatest shortcuts to drawing closer to Christ. You know, I can spend time on my knees in prayer, and I spend time in this book, and I pray with my family, and I can meditate on the Word of God day and night, as Joshua 1.8 says. But nothing brings me closer to Christ quicker than suffering. Suffering. I'm going to be honest with you, I hate that. I hate that. I wish there was enough God in me that I would become more like Christ just because I love him. But he knows that I'm dealing with this flesh right here that's kicking and screaming all the way to be like Christ. And he says, son, let me help you. I'm going to help you. I said, all right, thank you, Father. Thank you for the help. How are you going to help me? He says, I'm going to let you suffer a little bit. Come again. You want me to be more like Christ? And I'm going to hurt. He says, have you not read the Gospels? Have you not read about my son? Have you not read about the trip down the Via Della Rosa? Have you not read about the climb up Mount Calvary? He suffered every bit of the way. Matter of fact, not only did he suffer physically, he suffered the weight of the sin spiritually. And if I'm going to follow in the footsteps of Christ, I have to understand it's going to call for suffering. It's going to call for tears and grief and heartache. But can I tell you something tonight? The Bible says in Romans 5 that tribulation worketh for us. The Bible says it worketh patience. But can I tell you what else is working? It's working you closer to Christ. We were getting ready to put the tent up out there the other day. And you notice the tent is still up there. It's bigger than you think. Today I, I left. I drove around the building and I just parked beside it and looked at it. Thinking, could we make this permanent out here? No, we have football coming back. I don't know if we can leave it out there. That would make for an interesting football game, would it not? You know, got the pipes and the poles out there, maybe invent a new sport. Hey, if pickleball could be a sport, that could be a sport. I was out there looking at that tent. I'll figure out where am I going with the tent story now, man. Good grief. What's that? Hard to put together. Yeah, we'll go with that. Why not? When that tent arrived, seriously, when it arrived, we looked in that U-Haul truck, and we're like, oh, that's not much. Man, we got these pipes here, and we got this stuff here. We began rolling it out. I says, go get us four or five teenage guys. Go get us four or five more. Four or five more. Go get all the teenage girls. And then we, we all took a pipe, did we not? We all took a pipe. We're getting that thing up out there. We're like, well, we got this thing going. And then it fell over. I mean, it literally fell over. All the girls are laughing at us because we told them we knew what we were doing. I thought it was the teenage guy's fault because they were too weak and they needed to work on their, you know, lift weights a little bit. We're out there. All of us are holding the pole trying to get this thing up. You realize, can I tell you, we were suffering. At one point, I was under the tent trying to put the, a pin in a pole and there's no air under there. You couldn't breathe. And I declare somebody was jumping on top of it trying to keep me under there so that I couldn't get out. I don't know who it was, but whoever you paid almost got the job done. Man, I thought it was going to be easy. I didn't realize we were going to have to suffer to get that thing up. That's why it's still up there. It took too long to get up. We're going to enjoy it for a little while, even if we just look at it from the parking lot. We get saved, and we think, man, this is great. Look at all that we get because we're Christians, and that's true. But it's going to cost us, and one of the costs is it's going to cost us suffering. You know Galatians 5, I didn't think of this, think about this really until the other day. Galatians 5, you know what one of the fruits of the Spirit is? We love love, joy, 
peace, all these good fruits that come from being a, being a Christian. And then we get to one in there that's called long-suffering. I wonder what, I just wonder what that means. We talk to Miss Pam and we break it down grammatically. It's a compound word here. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. Oh, long-suffering. You see, God can use our suffering and when we suffer long to bring us closer to Christ. That's why tribulation works for us. Acts chapter 5, when they suffered for Christ, the Bible says they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer. I don't enjoy suffering. I don't enjoy grief. I don't enjoy pain. I don't enjoy humiliating circumstances or humility. But if my father says, hey, I, I want to help you get closer to Christ a little quicker, and he brings suffering into our life, this is why we can praise him. That's why Paul says, I glory in tribulations. And after a while, you begin to think Paul was some kind of super Christian. Like, he got something on the road to Damascus we didn't get. That radiation from the light that shone down on him fried his brain or something. No, Paul just understood that all of these things, the suffering and the difficulty, is bringing us closer to Christ. Could we just summon enough God in us tonight to realize that if suffering makes us and brings us closer to Christ, that in the end it's worth it? It's worth it. Why? Because what the world needs to see is more of him and less of us. Finally tonight, not only will it call for suffering, but let's just close it out with this. You look down, Paul says, and being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, last verse, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Two words I want you to see in verse 10. It's the word resurrection and the word death. Do you know what it requires to be resurrected? It requires death. In order to be raised, you have to be lowered. You have to die. The end of the verse says, made conformable unto his death. That tells me tonight that in order to be drawn closer to Christ and more like Christ, number four. It will lead to dying to self. It's going to lead to dying to self. I've told you this quote many, many times before, but boy, I tell you. It bears mentioning again, Bobby Robertson, Gospel Light Baptist Church, Walkertown, North Carolina. I think he was there 60 years. He said something about uh, a year before he died. I heard him preach in person. And he says, when you go through suffering, you go through grief, and you go through pain, and it hurts, he said, it just reminds us that we're not dead enough. Because dead things don't feel hurt and dead things don't feel pain. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to grieve and we're not going to hurt. But it does mean a lot of times when we go through grief and pain and it's an unbearable grief and unbearable pain. And the, the mission to seek out Christ, it's telling us there's some more of us that needs to die a little bit. I don't know about you. I don't like the thought of that. I like living. I like me. I like my. But Paul says, in order for me... To measure up to the stature of Christ, I'm not only going to have to follow him. Now, he's not asking me necessarily to die physically. He's asking me to die to self. That's why Paul, one of the greatest Christians who ever walked the planet, said, I die daily. He says, hey, I found out the secret to this thing of becoming more like Christ and closer to Christ is I've got to die daily. You're like, wait a minute, I die every Sunday, but that's about it. 
Tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and this stuff's going to be alive and well. Oh, how I despise waking up in the morning and my flesh begins tormenting me. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Anybody in here ever worry before you get out of bed? I do. I'm already worrying before I get out. You know what a worry is? It's a lack of faith. That's what worry is. It's hard to worry and have faith at the same time. I've already got into that. And so me and my flesh, I have learned. A good friend of mine said this years ago and I laughed at him, but I believe it now. He says, I literally roll out of the bed and onto my knees. I'm like, well, I'm going to get coffee first. You know, it's hard for me to pray without some caffeine. Brother Vado got me some uh, Blue Angels coffee the other day, whole bean. I ground that stuff up. Man, it is rich. It is dark. It is good. Oh, I have a clear mind after drinking a cup of that stuff. He says, I just roll right out of the bed and hit the floor. I'm thinking, does your wife check on you? Are you okay? Did you do that on purpose? He says, because I found I can't go very long before this stuff is already alive and well and awake and trying to lead me in my day. So why don't we just in the morning get up and tell our flesh, we're going to go ahead and get this over with. You need to die. You need to die today so that I can draw closer to Christ. We'll never know, verse 10. Paul says, I want to know. We'll never know the power of the resurrected life until we learn how to die a little bit. And we die a little bit more each and every day. What's the goal? Well, when you look down the end of verse 10, it says, conformable unto his death. Tomorrow we get up, we're going to have to ask the question, am I willing to make the exchange of me for Christ? Tomorrow when I get up, I've got to decide, am I willing to sacrifice, set it all aside for Christ? Tomorrow when I get up, I've got to decide, am I going to follow that pattern there in verse number 8? Where I'm going to accept suffering if it brings me closer to Christ. I mean, God forbid tomorrow your health would fail. But boy, if your health failed and it drew you closer to Christ, it would be worth it. To be a little bit more like Jesus. Now folks, tonight, I don't know where you're at on this thing. But I do know God wants us to be closer to Christ. And could I ask you tonight, would you be willing to just say, hey, I'm going to try to work on one of those. I'm going to work on exchanging the two me's for him's. I'm going to work on sacrificing a little bit to setting aside all that I think this world is about and I'm going to count it as dung for Christ. Tomorrow, I'm, I'm not going to gripe and complain as much. Oh, my soul, I'm a good one at it. This is hard. This is difficult. I don't like this. I don't enjoy this. I don't like the suffering. Instead, I'm going to praise my Father who, watch this, who knew it was going to happen to begin with. Nothing gets past God. You're not going to go through a trial tomorrow that your father didn't know about. And hey, why don't we praise him that he's giving us a shortcut to becoming more like Christ through a little bit of suffering. We're going to go through it. We're not going to like it. But boy, why don't we accept it and praise him because he's just using that to get us closer to become more like Christ. What's the end goal? That we learn to die to self. Where it doesn't hurt anymore because we know in the end what our Father is doing through the trials that he brings our way. Folks, there's no list, but there is a man, and his name is Jesus. The Bible says he set aside his throne and his crown. The Bible says he took upon the form of a servant, humbled himself, and he became obedient to the death, even the death of his cross. It's all the pattern of Christ. And if we'll follow that, I'll promise you, I'll promise you, I'll promise you, you'll find there's not a list that a man could ever write 
that will compare to the person you will be by drawing closer to Christ. Tonight, let's have our heads bowed.